Hello, CTS Net friends. My name is Joel Dunning, and I'm here with another very special podcast edition. I'm actually hot off the trail from the AATS. I'm at the Hot Rhythm uh, Society in New Orleans, checking out a few crazy things. Uh, amazing uh, simulator for hybrid air fablation, amongst many other things. But we'll tell you more about that later. Also, on this packed edition today, uh, we've got some really good uh, new articles in diversity in cardiovascular surgery machine learning and necrotizing mediastinitis and we have three absolutely fabulous videos for you we've got a wonderful neocords implantation uh, our kappa being repaired by sammy syed and a really good interview uh, from the african continent so stay tuned keep uh, listening and uh, and we'll get straight into it So, first of all for you, we've got three really interesting uh, articles. The first article we've got for you is from uh, is from uh, Aaron Weiss and Ravi Iyengar, and, uh, and they've looked at machine learning uh, to try and better predict uh, risk mortality in their cardiac surgery. So what's the problem? Well, um, uh, Ravi Iyengar says that really standard risk models aren't quite fit for purpose these days for the very specific complex operations uh, we're doing increasingly redos, uh, specialist hybrid procedures. So, so they wanted to use their database to see if they could beat it. And they can use machine learning as well. Now, uh, they took 6,392 patients. They've got over 400 pieces of data from their data sets uh, and, uh, and they crunched the numbers. And indeed, they did get a, a better learning model than the STS risk score. Now, what does this mean? I'd be interested to see what you think, really. But uh, you can actually beat STS risk scores if you derive the data from your own institution and then, then work it uh, back to see how it performs to, to predict risk in your own institution. Because the STS is a much wider risk score, so it, it's trying to predict from, from the vast majority of all sorts of different operations. So the so utility of this shows that you can quite easily create your own risk models. I think there's no danger that we'll be getting rid of the STS risk score, but uh, this great team here show how if you really want to track your mortality as closely as possibly locally, looking for outliers or looking for prediction, then, then why not uh, do some machine learning? It's really widely available these days. Well done to that team. The second article we've chosen for you uh, is in thoracics. Uh, and, uh, and this is all about uh, descending necrotizing mediastinitis. Not common, but highly life-threatening. So you go... Tanaka and Ichiro Yoshini uh, from Japan in the ICVTS this month have published really a very large series uh, in descending necrotizing mediastinitis. But what did they do? Well, they compared open versus VAT surgery. Now, these are really ill people, and you've just got to get the pus out, and they're high risk procedures. And, uh, and they showed that if you either did VATS uh, or thoracotomy, uh, then patients would still have quite a high mortality. It varied from 5 to 9%. Interestingly, the VATS group were 5%, and the open group were 9%. This was a big database, 2012 to 2016. They looked at 90-day mortality. And big for this means um, 83 patients having VATS and 50 eight having thoracotomy. I mean, that is big. I mean, we see maybe one a year at the most uh, locally at our place. So, so that's big numbers, really. 
Now, while uh, there was a slightly lower, although when you adjust the mortalities were the same, um, the VATS group had 50% uh, post-operative complications, whereas OPEN only had 24, and 37% of the VATS group uh, had to be re-operated re on compared to only 15. So I suppose the message is, if you're going to use smaller incisions, you might do a slightly less extensive job, but the mortality might be equivalent. So well done to them, really interesting, and it's nice to just uh, review the literature on a really quite rare but devastating and high-risk procedure. The third uh, item we chose for you today is a really interesting AATS presentation that Professor David Cook from uh, UC Davis uh, has published and he actually took out 739 recommendation letters of uh, people um, applying to academic cardiothoracic uh, positions. He was looking at diversity. Um, as an African origin professor, uh, he has discovered in this paper that he is one of only 2% of professors that are of black origin. In the professor ranks, 78% are white, 15% are Asian, 3% Hispanic and only 2% uh, are of black origin. But the slightly disturbing findings of this uh, are that black cardiothoracic surgeons only earn around 80% of their white colleagues' salaries. So we have a disparity in 2023 in this. Uh, this is something that really uh, needs to be addressed. It can only be addressed by getting that percentage up to reflect the uh, background population and, uh, and shining a light on it as David Cook has done so so elegantly uh, is you know the first step in that process so, so well done to him and that team so I hope you enjoyed those three articles and uh, I'm just going to hand over to our CTSNet office where I'll tell you what else is on our website Submissions are now open for CTSNet's annual innovation video competition. The competition rewards surgeons at the cutting edge of cardiothoracic surgery with a $1,000 cash prize, a prominent feature on CTSNet, and an exclusive interview with the judges. Submit your videos showcasing creative solutions, novel surgical approaches, and technological advances in CT surgery by August 31, 2023 for a chance to win. For more information, visit ctsnet.org slash innovation video competition. We have three fantastic videos on our website this week uh, and we'll go through those. They're, they're really very cutting edge, really high quality, so I'm so pleased to bring these to you. The first one is by Amy Brown and Corey Adams from the University of Calgary and it is a beautiful demonstration of a minimally invasive off-pump mitral repair with the brand new Neocord DS1000 system. Um, I haven't caught up with Neocords for a few years really and they really have advanced their technology. You can put multiple cords in now and, uh, and you can adjust them all individually under 3D TOE guidance and that's exactly what this team did. Uh, they found a high risk 75 year old man, he'd previously had minimally invasive mitral valve repair. He'd had an anuloplasty ring and some Gore-Tex cords but these, uh, this repair had now failed five years later and he had severe regurg with P2 prolapse. So they took him to a hybrid operating room, they made an incision on the left side of the chest because remember it was minimal access surgery on the right last time. Uh, they gained good access to the pericardium, there was minimal adhesions and then they put pledged sutures at the apex of the ventricle and, uh, and then they advanced the neocord device. 
So they placed multiple cords. It was really interesting to see them uh, putting these cords through the uh, posterior leaflet and, and the views of the 3D uh, echo really are phenomenal. So really do check that out. And then they were individually adjusting all four of the cords that they put in to get the perfect echo response under full cardiac loading because it's off pump the heart's beating normally so uh, once it's set to perfection then they can simply tie them onto the Gore-Tex pledget and that's your operation done so for a 76 year old having redo heart surgery they left day three no stenotomy no redo uh, great job I think that is something that you know we should all have in our armamentarium perhaps uh, in our institution so so well done to that team the second video is from our fabulous Sammy Side, our associate editor for Congenital, and again, an absolute banger of a video from the University uh, of Westchester Medical Center, University of Minnesota. Mina Estefanos uh, narrates it, and Sammy is obviously the fantastic surgeon. So this video uh, documents uh, the repair of anomalous origin of a left coronary artery, uh, which is coming from the pulmonary artery. Um, this was a two and a half kilogram neonate, um, was in severe left ventricular failure. They did an echo, they could see reverse flow um, coming out of the left main stem into the pulmonary artery, so blood going backwards up the left main stem, uh, severely impaired LV, so urgent surgery was required. So they opened the chest, they, uh, they ligated the, the ductus arteriosus, they put them on bypass. Interestingly, the cardioplegia, you had to give cardioplegia down the aortic and the pulmonary route, and you had to clip off the left and right main uh, pulmonary arteries so that the cardioplegia didn't go down into the lungs. I thought that was really interesting. The second really interesting thing was that they did an intraoperative ICG to look at a, as a live coronary angiogram. You could see the left main stem coming off the pulmonary artery and yet the right coronary artery coming uh, from the aorta normally. Um, I think this is a vastly underused technique. Um, we nowadays in mixed cardiothoracic units have great access to ICG cameras. Storz has Rabina system, we have Firefly, and ICG costs $50 really for an injection. It's completely safe. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to see more intraoperative angiograms, even confirming the patency of the bypass grafts would be a wonderful thing to see. So, we saw beautifully an intraoperative angiogram done very quickly. Um, then Sammy uh, cut open the pulmonary artery, dissected the, the left main stem coronary button off the PA. Um, he then anastomosed this with a 2.7mm punch to the aorta into its proper position and then he did, used a Gore-Tex patch to plug the hole that he'd made into the pulmonary artery, making sure there's a good bit of laxity uh, on that pulmonary artery. Um, he then finally closed the pulmonary artery uh, with the cross clamp removed off the aorta, beating heart surgery just to save a bit of cross clamp time and, uh, and the patient did really well. Um, he actually did an epicardial echocardiogram, which, which certainly I've not seen much in, in adult patients, but that was really nice to, nice to see. And, and he also did a lovely little video presentation of how the LV function got better and better over the course of the next six months. And now that child has normal LV function uh, as a result of that fabulous operation. So well done, Sammy Side, for a great procedure. The third video we have for you uh, is an interview. It's a, a global surgeon spotlight. It's an interview with Professor Barasa Otsula. Uh, Brasa Otsula was interviewed uh, by Dr. Kepper, who went out there to interview him. Uh, he works at Moy University in Eldorat uh, and uh, in Kenya. 
and uh, and he really is a fascinating person. But one of the most fascinating things was that his father was probably the first ever local Kenyan medical graduate who then went to work and had an amazing career in Kenya. He had, wait for it, 40 children, uh, and uh, which is, you can't even believe it, can you? But he had 40 children, and Barasa was the eldest of 40. Um, and incredibly, you know, the vast majority of them, with his dad's encouragement, went into medical healthcare, almost personally fixing the, uh, the, the medical crisis in Kenya by, by his children. And, uh, and, and uh, Barasa, came to the UK. He trained in cardiothoracic surgery from, in Birmingham and then he came back uh, to, to do cardiothoracic surgery. Uh, and it really is a lovely documentation of uh, what it's like in Africa. He isn't just a cardiothoracic surgery, he has to deal with everything. He runs the medical school, he does foreign bodies, thoracic surgery, esophageal cancer surgery. He gives a great little story about how when he was doing thoracic surgery they had no lung function tests and so his test would he would light a match and if they can blow it out uh, one meter away from the patient then he would do an operation so that was his lung function test and uh, and you've got lots of other interesting stories about how um, they really don't they have a they have an ethical thing that uh, if cancer is touched it spreads further so we had to persuade patients that this was wrong so that you could potentially cure their esophageal cancers but he set up a really good cardiothoracic program there it's really interesting so check out his half hour interview and, uh, and well done everybody involved in that so those are our three uh, brilliant videos. Um, have a look out for some upcoming events. I'm certainly getting out, getting busy, going to conferences, and there's a load of amazing conferences out there at the moment. So uh, there's going to be the Asian Society for Cardiovascular and Thoracic Surgery Conference on May the 31st to June the 3rd. That's coming up. It's in Busan in the wonderful country of South Korea. And this, this is an absolutely huge conference. It's cardiac, it's thoracic, it's everything. I visited South Korea three months ago and they have such technically brilliant surgeons. I mean, it was amazing. I went and watched the uh, intuitive single port robot doing some operations and, uh, and I'm sure if any of you can get out to the ASCVDS, you know, your mind will be blown by the incredible operations they're doing already out there from these fantastic technical surgeons. Of course, uh, put a circle in your diary for Ismix. Ismix is back in the North America, having gone to Poland last year, and this year it's in Boston, so super accessible for everybody. Again, it's at the same time as that Asian conference, May the 31st to June the 3rd, and it's cardiac, it's thoracic, it's everything minimally invasive in this really, really hot field. Uh, people from all over the world, so do check that out uh, and have a look. We're going to try and be there, and we're going to try and bring you some of the best content of Ismix uh, onto CTSnet, so do check that out. And don't forget, there's going to be an STS coronary conference on June the 3rd and June the 4th. Everything you ever wanted to know about CABG, uh, how, to, uh, how to do it, lots of how I do it videos, tricks, tips, and um, how to grow and maintain your practice. So look out for that. So we come to the final few minutes of our podcast. Thank you for staying it out. Uh, and, uh, and I always like to 
to touch base with Diego. Diego, the long evangelist of thoracic surgery, traveling the world to spread the world of, of minimally thoracic surgery. So where is he this week? So he is back in China, back in Shanghai. Um, he posted a few videos of uniport erotic sleeve resections. It seems to be his most common operation at the moment. But the video that really blew my mind was the brand new operating room in Shanghai. They have a brand new huge operating room that has four patients being operated on at any one time. So there was a line of four patients, no walls between the, the patients, really modern kit, so, so all the kit was hanging from the ceiling. Uh, but I guess it really promotes interactivity and good processes and everyone can watch each other. And when I visited Shanghai to watch these incredible people doing 130 operations a day, I was so impressed by how the surgeons went to each other's help, looked at what they were all doing. So, so great, really interesting video. And uh, what do you think? What do you think about an operating room taking four patients in it at any one time? I mean, is that an infection risk? Well, maybe it isn't because they're not infected patients. Is it good for safety? Well, maybe it is good for safety if someone's having a problem. So actually, maybe there is something in it and maybe that's something we should look into. What do you think? And finally, I would like to give an honourable mention. So the honourable mention goes to the reason why I'm here uh, in the Heart Rhythm Society Conference here in New Orleans. And my honourable mention goes to Kim Eagle and Thomas Crawford, who are two amazing cardiologists. They've, over the course of seven years, set up a charitable programme to recondition pacemakers. Um, they take pacemakers from funeral directors, they have taken it through an FDA approved system to fully clean and re-sterilise and we send them out to Africa. Um, we've uh, sent out 400 this year and, uh, and it was all due to, due to these wonderful people that work at the University of uh, Michigan and have spent years and years quietly uh, battling the FDA to get this approved system. So congratulations to them, they're my honourable mention, people you may not have heard of but uh, certainly making a difference in the world. And, uh, and that's all I've got time for. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, slightly different roving edition of the Beat Podcast. Uh, I'll be back in the UK next week, so do stay tuned, uh, where we'll bring you all the latest news and everything that's cool around the world in cardiothoracic surgery.